Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free Monday edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And we're not just here on Mondays. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday. It is December 17th, and I know one thing. Oh, crap. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Yeah. It was a Christmas miracle last night. The Eagles were underdogs by... I think 400 points. Yeah. Vegas had him a minus, minus 400. 400. I took the under. <laughs> and still, Stupidly. they managed to eke out a victory, much against their own efforts. They tried to give it away, but they just ran out of time. Sadly, they just couldn't find a way to piss it away. <laughs> Santa came early for Ralph. So in the words of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. That's all I'm saying. All you got to win is two more. And your uh, Redskins won as well? Uh, yeah, I guess that that's what you want to call that display of football. They got more points than the other team? They, yeah, I and, guess. And the Dallas Cowboys got, got no points. Got they scored no points. Blanked. By the Colts. By the Indianapolis Colts. So I think what we're saying is the NFC East is a pretty strong division. It's pretty solid. Yeah. I think, uh, I think like Super the, Bowl, next Super Bowl champs coming out of that division. It's you like can, the 80s all over again. Oh, man. So uh, you got to take your victories where you find them. You got to take the joy where you can. And so I'm feeling pretty good today, as opposed to last week, which was not good. No, it's been a rough month for me. Yeah. Um, I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting mere feet away from me is your vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. And we're so happy to be back with you live on tape with the <laughs> Ralph Report for a Monday, December 17th. There was no show on Friday, however, because... I was uh, traveling to Salt Lake City, Utah. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thanks to everybody in the Garmy who came out to see me and Kevin Smith doing Hollywood Babylon at Wise Guys there in Salt Lake City on Thursday and Friday nights. They were both great shows, and the audiences were amazing, and it was 28 degrees. Was it that cold? I Snow? Got- no snow. There was snow on the ground. No that snow. that was still wasn't yeah. going anywhere. But there was no falling snow. But I'll tell you, nothing feels more Christmassy than when you go outside and you can see your breath and you're wearing a heavy coat and the lights are everywhere. There's just something about that climate that says Christmas. Yeah, don't get that anymore out here. You don't get that at all out here. So I was happy to be back there uh, this past weekend. It was really a blast. So thanks to everybody again who came out. Uh, I would, however, before we get the show started, we got a great show uh, today. We got Colin Hanks is going to be on the show talking about his new line of designer handkerchiefs or Hanks kerchiefs, as they're uh, the call. That's the uh, new product line that he has developed. He's a uh, handkerchief fan. I didn't know there was such a thing. I guess if you have to like something, that's something to like. <laughs> that's that's an excellent point, Eddie Pence. Once again, your logic is inescapable. I, I nailed it. And uh, we'll be. Breaking down our top three Christmas movies today. A lot of people said, you know, you did your Christmas songs, you did your best and worst Christmas songs. What are your favorite Christmas movies? And then later on the week, we'll do our least favorite Christmas movies. But I, uh, I have an advanced look at Mr. Pence's favorite <laughs> Christmas movies today. And I got to tell you, 
You're in. You're in for a treat, man. <laughs> uh, what else are we gonna do today? It's a Monday. I don't know. It's good stuff. Just stick around. But before I do any of that, I was traveling this weekend, and I do want to have a little conversation with folks out there in the world about traveling because, of course, the holidays are a huge travel season. Yeah, it was gearing up already. Just getting to and from Salt Lake City was a bit of a chore because th- this is these are the days when people now are starting to travel pretty heavily yeah. and the airports are pretty crowded and there's a lot going on and you and I, traveler, need to have a conversation about protocol in the security line because i've had i've had a my ass is full of you people no more garbage bags in the airplanes well this uh, look i know worse than that every time i go on trip someone says you always bitch about traveling because people don't know what the fuck they're doing yeah and it's not that hard let me tell you a little secret about security when you're in line you're gonna take your shoes off and you're gonna take your belt off yeah know that (laughs) know that i'm saying 10 people away from the conveyor belt don't saddle up to the conveyor belt when I'm waiting behind you to put my gear on the belt. And you say, oh, I forgot. I, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, do that, what? Right? Shoes? Oh, okay. Well, what? I have I have 14 bottles of water in my, in my briefcase. Is that okay? Can I bring that through? Can I? What? 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 Don't wear your lace-up boots up to your knees to the airport. Jesus Just Christ. Or something that slips on and off. And some, you know, I, I told this to my wife. She goes, well, maybe their first time travels. Like, well, then. Go on Google. Look up how to behave when Ask. you're when you're flying anywhere ever for the past twenty years. Ask any other human being around. They've all been on airplanes. If you have to start fishing for your laptop uh, when you're at the bin, if I see that one more time, I'm taking somebody out. <laughs> I'm surprised. You know, they say there's so many cars on the roads. I'm surprised we don't have more accidents. I'm surprised we don't have more like incidents of violence in airports because I was physically upset with the guy in front of me. I can't even imagine. Who was holding up an entire line of travelers because he was breaking himself Uh. down bit by bit at the bin. (laughs) Fishing through his pockets, getting out loose change, taking his belt off, taking his shoes off. Oh, I forgot. I got water in here. Oh, I forgot. Oh, my laptop's got to come out. He Every violation you can make as a traveler, (laughs) this guy made in one fell swoop, and I was beside myself. I can picture your face right now. I am not... (laughs) Most relaxed of travelers in the best of circumstances. But how can people not know by now the protocol for what you need to do to At get through security? At the very minimum, streamline your pockets before you go to the airport. Get like one pocket full of change, not two. Keep your earbuds in the same pocket. So everything can just come out in one pocket. And get your photo ID out with your boarding pass to present to the TSA guy who's going to look through it. I mean, these are all basic things we all have to do every time you travel in the United States of America. It's not a surprise anymore to anyone. It shouldn't be. And if it is your first time flying, take five minutes out and go, things you should know before... Oh, oh, you're flying. There should be some pamphlet that's handed out saying, oh, welcome to the world of flight. Learn how to fucking organize your shit because other people are behind you, asshole. That you, should be the name of the should start a podcast about air travel. Well, you wouldn't think you'd have so to. People could, you could educate people. It's You feel like it should be at this point. An eight. And as many people who travel around the world as we all do. I mean, air travel is not a luxury anymore. No. Everybody's flying. Yeah. It should be a given set. Especially holiday behaviors. travel. Yeah, I know. 
It should be like, look both ways before you cross the street. That's something that you just know at a certain I, point. And I travel with a wife, a child, and a dog. Like, when we go through, like, I am, I have, I make, I make sure everybody is ready to go because I know we are hated the minute we walk into an airport. It's to your credit, and, and I appreciate that, but I must say that I give enormous leeway to folks, especially when they're traveling with kids and stuff, because I've been there and I, yeah. I recognize the, the degree it's of difficulty nightmare. that comes with that. Yeah. When you're doing it. But if you're a solo guy yeah. <laughs> and you get to the bin and your pockets are still full and you've got water in your, your briefcase. And your belt's still on. And you've got a, a laptop buried somewhere <laughs> in your backpack. You can go right to hell. <laughs> that is madness. <laughs> and I'm looking at the TSA guy and he's looking at me. And by the way, the TSA, the poor bastards who work TSA. And don't get me into the whole debate of whether it even matters or not what we do at that point that makes us safer or not when we fly. Because yeah. there's a lot of research that shows we're not that all that much no. safer. It's kind of like security theater where they make you the feel illusion safer. of safe. Right. Yeah. So we won't even get into that. <laughs> but the TSA people now walk up and down the line barking these exact same instructions that I'm saying now to everyone within earshot. Uh. Make sure your shoes are off. Hey, if you got a belt with a metal buckle, make sure. No fluids, please. You Take imagine? your laptop. They do it all day Could long. You imagine? And the guy still gets to the front of the line, and he's still pulling bottles of water but out of his they have backpack. to be numb after an 8 to 12-hour shift of that. I don't know how they put up with these boneheads. I'd rather be a kindergarten teacher. You'd probably get a better response in terms of attention being paid yeah. as a kindergarten teacher than you would from the people who travel. Yeah. I was so angry, and it happened on every leg of my journey, from leaving L.A. to going to Salt Lake, Salt Lake back. It, it just, it, every step of the way, there was some bonehead going through the same thing that I'm talking about right now, and I am truly, I was beyond angry. I was just dumbfounded as how it could even exist anymore. Yeah. So if, if, I'm, if I'm talking to you and you're nodding your head in agreement, okay then. But if I'm talking to you and you're going, what? I don't see what the problem is. You got to fucking learn some shit. Get your shit together, people. Because never, there are very few moments in life where you're so vulnerable to the behavior of others in terms of how your... Your life is directly impacted. Exactly. By someone's behavior right in front of you. Right. That, that Sometimes you can skirt around people in life and, and their shit does yeah. not become your shit. You can avoid the... But this is not one of no, those circumstances. You're directly impacted by this asshole. I, my life is made better or worse by your behavior in that line. You, you must get your shit together, people who are flying. All right. There endeth the lesson. Uh, thanks to everyone who had so many kind words to say about Friday's show. Instead of a regular show with uh, Mr. Pence and myself, what I did was I threw up the long form interview that I had with Mr. Steve Ashton while he was in town. We were doing the live show and people seem to like it in a big, bad yeah. way. Well, Steve's an amazing guy. He's a great guy and he's a, and he's very articulate and he's very funny. And the long form interview, admittedly, we had a few cocktails, so it might've been a little <laughs> sloppier than I would have liked, but people seem to really respond. So thanks to everybody who sent out so many kind words and uh, emails and of course, voicemails. Those of you folks who left your voicemails at the Ralph Report hotline, which, of course, as you know by now, the number is 1833. Hi, Ralph. You can always. I like the buildup that's coming now. Leave a message for me seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I listen to them all. And what I like to do, especially on Mondays, because I get home from the uh, trip and there was a, just a, 
a backup of I can't voicemails. Even imagine how many you got left there at the hotline. I went through them all, and you know I like to break some of them down and start the show off with them with a segment we call Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ralph's gonna play your calls now. Let's see what's on your mind. As I mentioned, a lot of people left some very complimentary voicemails for the Friday show, which was uh, me talking to our friend, Mr. Steve Ashton, who people know he's funny. They like him on the show. They know he does the UK update and now Ask a Brit, but they didn't know much about him. So they got a chance to hear his uh, origin story, as it were, and it was really cool. And this lady in general had something that's going to make Steve very happy. So I wanted to play (laughs) Hey, Ralph. I was listening to your interview with Steve Ashton, and I looked at the picture you posted. He looks great. Has he lost weight? Yes. Yes, he has. He's lost about 15 (laughs) pounds. Just ask him. (laughs) Try to avoid that topic of conversation. You can. He says it instead of hi. Ashton, if you're listening, there you go. All right? Can 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 we put that to bed now? But, of course, by the end of the trip, he was blaming me. He was like, oh, I didn't drink for months, and I was working out, and I was eating well, and I come here, and I'm eating all this bad yeah, stuff. Back. I'm drinking all the time, and I'm not working out, and blah, blah, blah. He brought you the liquor. Right? That's I'm the victim. Yeah. He's really? the perpetrator. Honestly, you are. By the way, he he had an awesome time, so it's a small price to pay, <laughs> I think. Maybe put on another pound or two, or whatever unit of measurement they use there in the UK. Grams? Actually, I think they use pounds. Kilos? It's weird. They use pounds. They use pounds? Yeah. I don't know. But it's pounds, but then like, I think 14 pounds is a stone. So they go oh. by stone. Like, oh, I'm 10 stone, 10 stones. 4 pounds. Yeah. It's okay. very confusing. It's stupid. Uh, Eddie, I thought you might want to know. You got a message over oh, the weekend. did I? Congratulations. You've ruined a family's Christmas. Perfect. Hope you're happy about I, that. I am. Hi, this is Jeanette from Long Beach. And this is a damn you, Eddie, message. So my four-year-old is really into Christmas songs. So I YouTube, and I want, and I want to type. Um, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. And instead, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas popped up. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to it for Eddie's sake. Yeah. <laughs> and now. That's all my son wants to listen to. Right? He keeps saying, I want to listen to the hippo song. Mm-hmm. Oh. Fuck you, Eddie! Yeah. <laughs> Eddie's terrible. No, no, so no. You put it out there. No. This woman no. says, oh, oh, Eddie Pence recommends this. I'll take no. a listen. And now her family's Christmas is no, ruined. Her four-year-old loves it. And guess what? When her four-year-old is a 16-year-old, she's going to hear that song and think back when he was four years old and think fondly of that song. Yeah. But you know what it's still going to be? I want a hippopotamus <laughs> for Christmas. That's the one thing you can't avoid. Uh, this next call, I thought this was, well, confusing. Hi, Ralph. This is Dale from Kennel of Rats. <laughs> I'm calling about the outrage about Baby It's Cold Outside, which yeah. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering where the outrage is for Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree. Why? Have a listen. Did you hear that? Fucking pie. <laughs> Fucking pie. No, it's not. Anyway, love the show. Locate my baboon. Yes. It's very creative use of LMB, but it's pumpkin pie, sir, not fucking, fucking pie. pie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he thought the lyrics were 
fucking pie. And no, it's not. It's not what Brenda Lee said. I do like that lyric. No one's upset. Later, we'll have some fucking pie. Uh, he very humorously introduced himself as coming from Kennel, Kennel of, Rats. of Rats, which now is the catchphrase that everyone seems to be calling in with. Um, <laughs> local watering hole. <laughs> the local <laughs> the local bar that Craig called in from last week, <laughs> the Kennel of Rats, where he was uh, drinking, apparently. And I first of all, I played that call as an example of how not to drunk dial right. the uh, Ralph Report hotline. That was the point of it all. Not to encourage no, other people but, to do that, or nor really to start a, a cult of kennel of rats that people <laughs> seem to love. This lady not only called in drunk, but was <laughs> way off the mark in terms of what she was even talking about. Ralph, I need to know where the kettle of fish guy actually was calling from. Because I can't figure it out either. And I almost peed myself on the way to work. And... I'm calling you drunk, too. So mm-hmm. I need to know where he's from. And I was going to email you drunk, but it takes a lot longer than calling you drunk. Yeah. So the kettle of fish guy needs to call back when he's sober and tell us where he's calling from. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay. Honey, it's not kettle of fish. Not even close. It's kennel of rats. <laughs> it wasn't even kettle of rats. <laughs> it's not kettle of fish. My God, woman. Were you in front of me at the TSA line in uh, Salt Lake City? Anyway, you'll all be happy to know that Craig did call back after he heard us talking about him last week. And he wanted to clarify exactly what was going on with the kennel of rats. Hey, Ralph. Craig here. Not with a kennel of rats. I said Craig with the cannibal rats because you played my call about my tumorous eating each other rats last month. Yeah. Uh, Anyway... Uh, I just thought I'd clear that up for you. I about crapped my pants. That was the funniest thing ever. In fact, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me now is you doing my drunk voice. Now it can be added to your legacy of voices. Anyway, love it. <laughs> I'm not even drunk. Love you, mean it, bye. Have yeah. a great one, though. No. Bye-bye. So, Craig, if you may recall, I was talking about getting a pet rat, yeah. and he did call in talking about his pet rats, right. how they tend to develop tumors, and when they die, if they're in the same cage, one rat will eat another rat. And we were talking about the cannibal rats. Right. So he was trying to identify himself from his previous phone call. Cannibal rats. And so what we thought was, it's Craig with cannibal rats. <laughs> Turned out actually to be, it's Craig with cannibal rats. So now we know exactly what he's trying to get at. Kettle doesn't mean fish. doesn't mean it's kennel of fish at all. <laughs> Nor does it mean that kennel of rats, I think, is ever going away anytime soon, at least. And uh, the last call we got was one of those, hey, what does that mean calls? Hi, Ralph. Hey, uh, greetings from Minnesota. It's cold as a witch's tit here. Where in the world did that phrase come from? Or is that just some dumb thing a truck driver said to me one time? Love you. Mean it. Bye. Yeah, you know what? I more than anything, I'm curious to know why you're hanging out with truck drivers. Yeah. Are you at the truck stop? What's going it on? Sounds with like you? multiple truck drivers. Sounds Not like just one. You know, I was in the the restroom there, and a uh, <laughs> truck driver said to me, "Wow, it's cold as a witch's tit out there. Want to warm me up? Let's warm up buddy. with your mouth." Um, good question, by the way. Cold as a witch's tit. While I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, by the way. I was, did I mention I was in 28 degrees? You did mention. Yeah, 28 yeah. degrees. That's cold. That is. It's cold, cold as, as a, a witch's tit. In Alaska, I believe is the whole phrase, right? Uh, I, no, I've always heard cold as a witch's tit, and then I've also heard cold as a witch's tit in a brass brassiere. Oh, I've heard 
I've heard cold as witches tit in Alaska. Regardless, why are witches <laughs> tits so I cold? Don't know. I don't know. So colds? Why so are witches cold. tits so cold, and where did that come from? Well, you'll be happy to know, sir. We've got a service just for you. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Saying so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build up. Mr. Pence, any guess at all as to where... The witch's tit comes from. And I don't. I just assume it's because witches are supposed to be evil, so they're cold, and I don't know where that's, it came from. That's fair enough. But if you think about the America's really their prime witch time, Salem, Massachusetts, it goes back to the 16th and 17th century, where in the United States, they guessed between 60 and 100 thousand women were condemned to death. That's nuts. As witches by both Catholic and Protestant courts in England and Scotland and America. That's so crazy. worldwide, they're talking 60 to 100,000 women being put to death because they were accused of witchcraft. That's crazy. Good job, religion. Once again, oh there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a mark on wow. their side. It was a bad time to be a woman. And it, and it's mostly educated women. They yeah. were. It was, oh, they sure. were educated, so they killed if them. they were trying to uh, help people with medicine, let's say, for example, or maybe going up against the patriarchy by trying yeah. to have a voice, well, then, of they course, were they were witches. You had to burn them. And when they would test a woman for witchhood, for witchery, there was an assumption that they were, well, suckling their familiars, as they were known, the familiars were either a demon or the devil himself, would come up to a woman and suckle off of that woman, mostly her blood and life force. And so somewhere on a woman's body, if she was suspected of witchcraft, they thought there would be yet a secret demonic nipple somewhere on oh, her body. The valve, just for the devil. Yes. Right. Not the, uh, the nipples on the breast, because for the most part, they were... You know, that's for children. That's yeah. he- that's healthy. The bosom is was a healthy place. But somewhere on their body, they suspected would be a dark, evil spot. Third nipple. A third nipple, yeah. if you will, where the <laughs> devil himself would, would suckle to get life force off these witches. Mm. Now, unfortunately, for the women involved, this could be a mole, a skin tag, whatever, a pimple. <laughs> whatever the white guy in the religion mark, wanted. You name it. Yeah. Anything could be found. And what they would do is the, the, the process was known as witch prickery. Ugh. And they would take a, um, a, not a knife, but sort of a, a pokey stick or a needle, and they would prod a woman's body. Oh, my God. Pierce her with this stick till she bled. But if they found any spot on her body where she wouldn't bleed, that's how they know they indicated that they found the witch's tit, if you will. That's the, insanity. The evil spot on her body where the devil would suckle in order to get her life force. Mm. And so if someone had a mole on their body and they poked it and it didn't, and bleed, didn't bleed, that would be known as the witch's tit. And because the, the normal breasts were full of warmth and life-giving to, to small children, if the witch's tit didn't bleed, they would say that was cold and lifeless. And so the witch's tit, cold as a witch's tit, became a saying for a part of a woman's body who was suspected of being a witch that was cold and lifeless. And often in art, when a witch is depicted, the breasts are um, sort of hanging down, lifeless, droopy. Not voluptuous. Right. You know, a a young woman's full bosom was as an indicator of a life-giving positive force. So witches in art 
be it paintings or sketches, were often depicted with uh, empty, droopy, low-hanging breasts that had no life-giving force inside them. Mm. They were wizened old crones. And so those tits were called also considered to be cold. Wow. So when someone now says it's cold as a witch's tit, it's actually a throwback to the good old days when we used to take women we didn't like and burn them at the stake or drown them, you know, That's whatever it takes. So good old religion. Not to not to baby it's cold outside you if you use that <laughs> phrase. But when you do use that phrase, and I'm not saying don't use it, I'm not banning it. No. Just consider the source. It's a and horrible place it came consider from. Consider where it came from. Wow. So that's why we say something is cold as a witch's tit. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build up. Interesting uh, additional fact. Anne Boleyn, Henry VIII's ill-fated wife who was accused of adultery was also accused of witchcraft because she had a legitimate third nipple. And it happens sometimes. Yeah. You get what they call a superfluous, superfluous, yeah, a third nipple. A third nipple. And it's... Um, Back then, it was considered a sign of witchcraft. So they would just so. kill you. Yes. Yeah. So Birth chop your head off. Kill you. That's all right. Hey, it is Monday. You know what that means? We take a look at the big calendar here on the Batcave wall to see what holidays are associated with this day. It's today, Monday, December 17th. Only a couple holidays, but still, we're here to break it down and let you know whether they're legitimate or not with a segment we call Holidays or Holidays. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Yes, today's holiday is Wright Brothers Day. It's Wright Brothers Day. Wright Brothers. This is the day, December 17th, 1903, that Orville, Orville? Orville, Orville and Wilbur Wright for the first time made their successful flight in their heavier-than-air mechanically propelled machine, and it was the birth of all flight. And uh, according to legend... Orville yelled at Wilbur because he didn't take his shoes off and his belt off before he got on the plane. And he, <laughs> he, he held up, he held up of yours. He held up the whole fucking process because he just wouldn't take the water out of his knapsack before blood, they got onto the plane. Blood relative of Ralph. Yeah, uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, was the place it all happened. First and this, in flight. That's right. This presidential proclamation happened with President Obama. He was the one who said that December 17th forever will be known Ugh, as Wright Brothers We Day. haven't overturned that yet? I can't believe Trump hasn't found some way <laughs> to take that away from us. But no, he hasn't yet. I don't think they were very good pilots, okay? <laughs> they went like 100 feet the first time. Trump Airlines went a lot further, even though we went bankrupt. So I think the Wright Brothers are the wrong brothers, okay? So, yeah, it's still a thing. And I think that's a legitimate it's thing to celebrate. super ballsy, man. It, super ballsy to get up there and try to fly something. Up until that point, the only flight man had had was in mostly helium balloons or hot air balloons. Yeah, rather, some sort you know? of gliding thing that was... Something that was lighter than air and propelled just by wind or by... Uh, but to try to take something off from the ground and fly it. With a like, machine? Once I'm up there, what do I do? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Those guys, we owe a lot to those guys. It would take a long time to get to Salt Lake City to do the Hollywood Babylon show if we didn't have the right Johnny brothers. Knoxville today. Exactly. So we want to say to you guys, we celebrate you, right, brothers? And today is also National Maple Syrup Day. Are you a maple syrup fan, Eddie? I'm not a syrup fan. 
That's why I don't. I don't have it on my French toast. I, I didn't just even butter. put this one on well, the roulette wheel because I assumed everybody loves I maple syrup. Said it How do you like sugar? How do you like candy? How do you like sweet things? And yet reject the beauty I that just, is the amber-colored joy of maple syrup. I'm just not a big syrup fan. I don't know. It's not just, even on your pancakes. No, no see, I don't eat pancakes. Remember we went that waffles. I'm a waffle person. I'm right, but right. I didn't think you, you totally just no. wrote off pancakes. No, no, I don't eat pancakes. I thought you preferred waffles. No, over I pancakes, take waffles but, over pancakes. But but, but butter. In I the put sense, butter if I had to eat. Pancakes. In the sense that there's no pancake in your life at all. Not really. I don't eat pancakes. <laughs> We've been through this. No, but you say that, but we really haven't. Why because have we? We talked about waffles, and you said you right. you take waffles over pancakes. Yeah. But I didn't think pancakes were just off the table. I, I mean, thought, given a preference, you would order one over the other. But I someone, didn't assume there would that it was a no pancake zone. If I'm at someone's house and they're like, "We made pancakes for breakfast," like, "Okay, I'll eat pancakes." But I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna go. Like, I'm gonna have pancakes today. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm moving on with <laughs> maple syrup day because I love it. I'm gonna give you all the details. You can have all my syrup because, as you know, here on the Ralph Report, we don't only entertain. You we inform, educate. Inform. That's right. Very important. So uh, the maple syrup originally, this is gonna come as no surprise to anyone, was discovered by the indigenous peoples of North America. The uh, uh, the Native Americans, if you will, or Native Canadians would tap the maple tree to get the syrup out of it and use that as a sweetener and the european invaders would come in and they took over that invention and they stole it from the indigenous peoples and <laughs> well, they like we always do. found a way to make money off of it and <laughs> and some would say improve it i would say probably steal it but um yeah it was it was a way they could take the uh the starch you know the syrup from trees and then they would store it and convert it to sugar that rises in the sap. They could use the brown sugar that came off of it. So it was a uh, sweetening agent for many, many years. And for the longest time, by the way, America was the home of maple syrup. They were the highest producing nation of maple syrup. Now, of course... Who took that over? Canada. Oh. Canada's the world's okay. largest maple syrup producer. I can see that. It's they, on their goddamn flag. The maple, have, the maple leaf. They probably have more trees than we do They at got this a lot of maple trees yeah. up there, and that's what they do now. So, Cheers. To all you right-thinking people who use maple syrup in the way God intended on your food so that you could enjoy it. And we also celebrate Maple Syrup Day. That's it for today, by the way. Just that was two it. holidays. Wow. Just the two. So okay. it's pretty easy. You can celebrate Maple Syrup Day and the Wright Brothers by drinking a hefty cup of maple syrup while you're on a plane you if you happen in. to be flying today. I, you actually, uh, my, my uh, in-laws used to live in New Hampshire, and you could walk through the forest there, and there'd just be these random taps in With the, the maple buckets trees. underneath yeah. them? Yeah. They kinda, say kinda cool. that is the ultimate. If you're a maple syrup fan and you want to taste it, tasting it right out of the tap yeah. is, the, is the way to do it. I wouldn't know because I just kept walking. I know because you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Eddie! Is wrong. Um, much like myself, straight right from the tap. It's the best way to enjoy it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just going to let that sit, are you? Yeah. That was holidays <laughs> or holidays. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment we call the Showbiz Beat. See any movies over the weekend? Uh, no, I have not. I have not either. Over uh, what we like to do on Mondays is take a look over the weekend and see what people went to see in the theaters to get an idea. What films were most popular? Number one film this weekend at the box office was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I heard that's really good. Kevin Smith saw it this weekend while we were in Salt Lake City. I was sitting in a hotel room putting the show together. <laughs> working. Working. 
And he was off uh, shopping and going to the movies. And he came back and said, I want to see Spider-Man. You guys should have come with me. He's like, yeah, well, that's, somebody's got to put the show. Remember the reason we're here? Yeah. That's why I'm doing this. He loved it. And so did a lot of people. It was number one at the box office. Made $35.4 million wow. at the box office this weekend. A significant box office take. Number two at the box office, and this surprised me a little bit, was The Mule, the new Clint Eastwood oh. film. I haven't heard anything about that. Where he plays a, uh, a, an older man Old who's duped mule. into becoming a drug mule. Yeah. I think he keisters some Does drugs he keister? Does he boof some I don't cocaine? I don't know if he keisters it or not. I refuse to use that word boof. Come on, it's got, man. It's got bad memories for me. Made $17.2 million. That was good enough to make it number two. Dr. Seuss's The Grinch came in at number three with $11.5 million. Ralph Breaks the Internet was number four. With 9.5 million, Mortal Engines in its opening weekend Ooh. had a, a disappointing 7.5 million dollars. It's gonna go the way of the Golden Compass, I believe. <laughs> Made it number five. That movie looked expensive. Yeah, too. I can't imagine they're happy with an opening weekend of 7.5 million dollars. Like, I don't think people knew what it was. Really, they, Did they? It, it wasn't a great advertising campaign. Yeah, it was like from. Uh, Dier- Guillermo Jackson. del Toro was it Peter Jackson? I think it was uh, Lord of the Rings people. Oh it? yeah, maybe it was. Uh, anyway, they touted the director, which is never a good sign no. for a film. And then it was just a lot of cities flying around Floating and driving it. around and stuff. And I was confused. I guess yeah. it's based on a book series. That's I guess, popular. but they did. That, I don't think it's. Is it a popular book series? I don't know if the source material is super all popular. news to me. So anyway, know. it was news to America because seven point five million dollars <laughs> made it number five. Creed Two was sixth at the box office with five point three million. Bohemian Rhapsody at number seven. Family, excuse me, Instant Family was number eight. Fantastic Beasts was number nine, and then The Green Book came in at number ten this weekend. Did you see any of Saturday Night Live this weekend? I actually watched a little bit of it. Did you? Did I watched you see the, the uh, I watched the Weezer sketch, which everyone seems to be talking about. Very funny. Did yeah. you see It's a Wonderful Trump? I didn't. I missed that part. Uh, it's a story. Uh, it's it's like a that spoof, one. of course, on It's a Wonderful Life, where an angel comes to Donald Trump and shows him what his life would be like if he had never <laughs> become president, and everyone is so much better off. And he completely misses the point of the story and decides, like, of course he does. it's very important that I become president. That's what you're trying to tell me. And it's like, no, no, that's not what we're trying to say at all. So it was actually very funny to most people. You know who it wasn't funny to? Uh, our president. Our president, Mr. Donald Trump, who? No sense of humor, man. He is such a snowflake. Oh, he's he is such a whiny little bitch, in the words of uh, Bill Maher. A whiny little bitch. Yeah. King of the Snowflakes. He went on a uh, Twitter rant, as he does, after Saturday Night Live. On Sunday morning, he blasted Saturday Night Live with the following tweet. A real scandal is the one-sided coverage, hour by hour, of networks like NBC and the Democratic spin machines like Saturday Night Live. It's, it's a, it is all nothing less than unfair news coverage and Dem commercials. Should be tested in courts. Can't be legal? Question mark. Only defame and belittle, exclamation point. Collusion, <laughs> question mark. I don't think he understands what collusion means. I don't think means. he understands what words are, to be um, honest. So he's threatening legal action basically against a For nighttime sketch show that parodies personality. Yeah, comedy punches up, and he's in power, so that's what comedy's supposed to do. And you can't prosecute them for that. Yeah, because we have this thing called the First Amendment. They're allowed to make jokes about you, yeah. and they've made jokes about every president ever. Ever. 
comedy, that's what that does. And you just offer so much material, it's hard not to make fun of you on a weekly basis. If you force them to comment on what you're doing every week, that's on you. It's not on them. So the fact that he's threatening legal action against Saturday Night Live, I think, is pretty hilarious. I don't remember anyone ever taking that I don't. I don't remember a president ever commenting on it. That's true. Ever. I mean, you have to think about it. I uh, mean, Dana Carvey used to rail George H.W. Bush. Not going to do it. Not yeah. going to do it. He used to have like a scathing impression he of did him. One he did one. In his Dana Carvey show, he milked something. That's with, right. uh, Was it Bush's nipples or was it Clinton's nipple? I think Cl- Clinton had like eight Cl- nipples. Clinton had nipples. And he was milking something. <laughs> no, he was feeding puppies, puppies. I think, <laughs> with his teats. And he opened God. his shirt and he had like eight nipples like a dog and they were suckling off it's of him. It's crazy. It's of course, it's the nature of the show. They take shots at whoever's in, in power. But as you mentioned, they get, he gives them so much material. It's like, how do you not? Presidents are supposed to be above commenting on that. Right. And they're busier, ideally, with other things. But he's not above anything. And it's, it's almost... It's the same as a, a troll on social media, for example. If someone you don't know slams you on social media, the minute you comment on that person, you give them all the power because yeah. you're doing exactly what they wanted, which was to get your attention and to somehow have you draw them into their sphere of, of influence. And right? you inadvertently put more eyes on it. Yeah. So um, anyway, not to mention uh, Ronald Reagan in 1987, his FCC eliminated the fairness doctrine, meaning that networks didn't have to provide balanced coverage of political issues. So never mind, Donald. Move on. More importantly, Eddie Pence's favorite rapper is in the news again. You know, Cardigan Backyardigan. She's in the news because she is having a very public breakup with her baby daddy, Offset. Yeah, Offset's upset. He's very upset. He is off upset, is what he is. Because she broke up with him because, you know, he was sleeping with a lot of strippers and stuff and everything. So she very publicly broke up with him, and he very publicly tried to get back in her good graces. It's not his fault he banged all those strippers. No, not at all. The man's only a man. He's offset. He's offset. He showed up at her concert, and he walked out on stage, and he had a bunch of uh, signs made out of roses saying, I'm sorry, Cardi. And he went out with a microphone and apologized to her in front of everyone trying to get back in her good graces. He meant it. He addressed her by her real name. That's right, Cardigan. And she (laughs) was not happy with it. And it was a big brouhaha. And all of her fans were slamming him saying, how dare you go out when she's trying to perform and you make this as a public spectacle of this breakup. And they thought it was very unfair. Now, some people are saying, this whole thing smacks of publicity to me because how does a guy just end up walking out on stage? Yeah, I don't know how you get backstage. And how do you plan putting together three giant signs that say, forgive me, Cardi, yeah, or whatever they said, made out of roses, that have to be rolled out on the stage like props <laughs> yeah. before you come you out. You have to have people involved. And she obviously has her own security detail. The whole thing seems a little smelly. It seems a little bit to Across go. the board. But it, let's take it for its face value and say that's actually what happened. Cardi is very upset that her fans are turning on Offset, the father of her child. And she's trying to talk them down and saying, please don't be abusive to Offset. We're having our problems, but attacking him is not going to solve anything. Well, she didn't say exactly the way I said it. This is how she said it. Guys, I just want to say thank you so much for everybody that been supporting me. They've been loving me. Um, and they feel like they need to defend me right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't want people like to just keep doing fuck shit, saying fuck shit. Violating my baby father is not gonna make me feel any better because at the end of the day, <coughs> that's still family. 
So don't do fuck shit. Don't say fuck was shit. Was that Offset coughing in the background? <laughs> I can't remember Remember who was actually running the camera. Because they're her. all planning this. It does stink, really, of publicity. Well, she sounded so passionate and emotional about what don't she was talking do, about. Right don't there. do fuck shit. Don't say fuck <laughs> shit. Because he's still my baby daddy. And he's, you know, still family. I don't know. She, so, can, she convinced me. It sounded real. I'm I'm on her side. It now I'm going to apologize for all the fuck shit I did earlier this week. <laughs> Let's take a look. At all the celebrity birthdays, it is Monday, December 17th. All these stars were born on this day. Happy birthday to Ernie Hudson, who, of course, was one of the original Ghostbusters. He is 73 years old today. Ernie Hudson, responsible for one of my favorite lines in the history of cinema. Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie... 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie. That's a big Twinkie. Is that offset the background coffee? <laughs> that was no offset, one? yes. Don't do fuck shit. <laughs> Don't say fuck shit. Uh, hardball host Chris Matthews is 73 years old today. You know where Chris Matthews is uh, from, Eddie Pence? Mm, no. Philly. Philly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's enough. We already heard of it. Never once. gets old, does it? Oh, it did. It got old the first time. It got old the first time. That's good. That's good. Fade it out. Almost over. You should just fade it out. We're good. If you're flying, if you're flying, why do you need a road? Because we can't all fly, Eddie. Okay, be, the Eagles are flying. We're following them underneath them. We're looking up at them, and we're on the road to victory behind them. But we're just mere mortals. We can't fly like they do. So they don't fly straight as the crow flies. <sighs> Claire Fortolani, the actress from Meet Joe Black and CSI New York. She's 47 years old today. Guitarist Taylor York of the band Paramore celebrates his 29th birthday today. Tune. Uh, actor comedian Eugene Levy is 72 years old today. Oh, so good. Right? SCTV, all the Christopher all Guest Christopher movies. All the Christopher Guest stuff, man. Uh, uh, Shit's Creek. Have you watched yeah, Shit's Creek? Yeah, Shit's Creek's amazing. So funny. He's a brilliant, brilliant comic actor. Actress Mia. No, I always get this wrong. Mila Jovovich. That's oh, how you say it. Yeah. Mila, you all right? I love Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. It's easy for you to say. Jovovich. Mila Jovovich from The Fifth Element, of course, and many other feature Multipass. films. Uh, she is 43 years old. What was that uh, franchise she did with the zombies? Oh, uh, uh, what's, uh, Resident Evil. That's it, Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. I love her. 43. Singer Paul Rogers from the band Free and then Bad Company and just so many great rock performances. He is 69 years old today. You know, uh, Paul Rogers was so beloved that when the Doors lost Jim Morrison, they wanted him to come be their lead singer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He passed on that. When uh, Freddie Mercury died, Queen went out on the road with Paul Rogers singing lead for them. Man, they loved he, him. He is, uh, is well-respected in the rock and roll industry. And why not? One of the great rock voices. 
great with the doors. Ooh, he would have been perfect. Uh, Bill Pullman, the actor, is 65 uh, years old today. That's all he does when, right? he, when he acts. Uh, he just grunts when he acts. Uh, I never noticed that. It's like him and your Harrison Ford having a scene together. We'll look for that in the future. Uh, uh, singer Wanda Hutchinson Vaughn of a band called The Emotions is 67 years old today. Great harmonies, great tunes, including this one. Director, producer Peter Farrelly of There's Something About Mary fame and Dumb and Dumber. We were just talking about that film. He is 62 years old today. Actress Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story is 44 years old. Bassist Mike Mills of R.E.M. is 60 years old today. What a great band they were. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. Actress Emma Bell of The Walking Dead is 32. Her castmate Lori Holden also celebrates a birthday today. She's 49 years old. Singer Sarah Dallin of Bananarama celebrates her 40, excuse me, 57th birthday today. She's got it. Yeah, baby, she's got it. Actor Giovanni Ribisi is 44 years old today. I worked with him in A Million Ways to Die in the West. Sweetest guy in the world. Could not have been nicer. Yeah, yeah really enjoyed working with him. His twin sister, Marisa Ribisi, who's also an actress. She was in Pleasantville and other projects. Celebrates her birthday today as well. They're twins, so the she's twins also 44. Yeah. He was great on Friends, too. Oh, he's so good so on, good on that with Phoebe. Uh, and drummer Jim Buffanti of a band called The Raspberries is 70 years old today. The Raspberries, in my opinion, one of the most underappreciated rock pop bands in American history. Unfortunately, they came a little late to the game. They came up in the 70s when the whole Beatles thing was kind of over. And I think had they broken in the 60s, they would have been massive. But I still love The Raspberries, including this tune. Baby, please go. It does seem out of place in the 70s. Yeah, it's very 60s yeah. sort of pop rock. Um, it was really out of place for the 70s. It, it was, and that's, I think, why they didn't do as well as they did. Mm. But that song also, you think, baby, it's cold outside, it's rough. You listen to the lyrics of that song. <laughs> it's like, let's go all the way. And the lyrics go on to say, just close your eyes and be still. Okay. All right. <laughs> that is not the instructions you want to give a woman that you're supposed to be engaging in a loving sexual relationship. Well, close your eyes and be still. Just play dead. <laughs> just play dead. Don't move. Were the actual lyrics. It's oh, crazy. Oh, man. Uh, that's all the celebrity birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Well, by now, it's almost Christmas. You must be pulling your hair out, thinking of a, a fun, creative gift that you can give the person you love. I say, why not a handkerchief? More importantly, I say, why not a handkerchief 
That's right. My buddy Colin <laughs> Hanks is not only a wildly talented actor and director, he has started his own designer line of handkerchiefs that you can buy. And they are, by the way, selling like crazy. Hotcakes. I like hotcakes, but you don't like hotcakes. No, so. I don't like hotcakes. They're selling like waffles. Waffles. In your case. There we go. Yeah. Uh, the handkerchief, I'll, I'll, you'll find out as, as I talk to Colin, is much more than just a piece of cloth you blow your nose into, by the way. You uh, put it on your head, you I, can put it around your mouth, put it around your face to keep the, the dust out. So there's your... a large handkerchief. Yeah, it's, it's a handkerchief. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here is my conversation with Colin all about his new product, the handkerchief. <laughs> and if you're looking for something special for the one you love this holiday season, what could be better than a Colin Hanks hankser chief? <laughs> How you doing, sir? It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? You know, I'm glad I have a professional on the line to ask this question. Is it handkerchief or handkerchief? I go, I, I, I go both, to be quite honest. I mean, oh, I kind of wanted to. You're bikerchief. I, I'm well. Yes, I'm bi. I'm bikerchief. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think when I refer to them as an as their own items, right? It's a kerchief. Right. Um, not to get into the weeds here on the difference between a handkerchief and a kerchief and a bandana, but <laughs> normally there's uh, what would be called a, a kerchief, which would be sort of like a, a roughly, you know, 21, you know, inches by 21 inches. Right. And a bandana is actually technically supposed to be much, much bigger. Huh. Um, than what we commonly think of them now. And then a handkerchief would be something much smaller that you could actually fit in the sleeve of your jacket. That's sort of when they came, came in vogue. And so technically what we're doing is, you know, we're making kerchiefs, but they've kind of morphed into, oh, you know, handkerchiefs, you know. But I always thought that they were handkerchiefs. I didn't know that they were handkerchiefs. Ah, I see. And so that's why I was like, oh, well, we'll call them Hankskerchiefs. And they're like, wait, you mean Hankskerchiefs? And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> if we've got them this interested in it, I think we're doing something right. Where did you get the idea to start your own kerchief business? Um, it's a little odd and a little strange, but I got it uh, opening day at a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This should be an interesting trip. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're always something that I, I've always had them as long as, as I can remember. My, my, my family has always uh, uh, had them. My grandpa always had one. My dad always had a, a stack of them. And so they've always sort of been omnipresent in, in, in my life as, as far back as I can remember. And uh, once I was old enough to start buying my own clothes, uh, I would always grab a stack um, at the Army Navy surplus store. Now you could read into that. Colin was buying all of his clothes at an Army Navy surplus store, and you'd be right because <laughs> they're great deals there. Sure. Um, but so I've always had them, and you know, I sort of said, uh, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm a little bit of a weird guy. I'm always trying to find new things, new challenges, new interests. And um, I said, well, what if I started doing like my own line of of, of kerchiefs, my own line of, 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 of you know, hand kerchiefs. And so that was sort of the initial sort of like aha moment. And then, you know, and then the home team lost and I was on my way. What is the actual purpose these days for the kerchief? Because I can't imagine many people are blowing their nose into one anymore. Well, 
Well, there that will always be a tried and true use. Sure. Um, you know, that one, I think, is sort of what everyone instantly sort of goes to. And that was, you know, one of the primary uses of it when it was first sort of starting out. But nowadays, the, it, it literally can be anything you want. It can be, you know, just something that you have in your back pocket that you can blow your nose in. You can have it be in your back pocket and be something that you can personally dry your hands with instead of, you know, mm-hmm. wasting a bunch of paper towels. Good. Um, you can use it as a fashion accessory. You can wear it on your on your neck, on your head. Um, you know, guys and girls can wear it. There's there are so many uses. That, and and if you, you know, if you really get down into the rabbit hole, you can actually come up with some pretty pretty fascinating ones to say the least um are these your designs did you come up with the what they look like i picked all the designs we um our first initial eight were designs that i picked out at a a, a great fabric house um what made them sort of unique is that the designs are are technically open source but the fabric that they were printed on were quite special Mm. um and then yesterday we actually launched our first original uh, design, our first original graphic that was hand-drawn, that was inspired by the state of California. And I wish I could tell everyone to go to hankskerchiefs.com and pick them up, but we sold out. We already sold out. Look Literally, at you. We, yeah, uh, we, had, uh, uh, we had two different colors of what we called the L-Bear kerchief. Um, each kerchief is named after someone that I know and care about. Um, the L bear is literally named after a friend from, uh, from, uh, Sacramento who I grew up with, who we called L bear. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the blue one sold out in under two hours. And then the white one just sold out as of this morning, uh, not even 24 hours. Um, so there's a, there's a demand for these things. We're, we're starting, uh, we're starting a gang and we want everyone to join. Actor, director, kerchief mogul, Colin Hanks. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Could you? Yeah, ima- I like it too. Could you imagine when you started that it would be as successful as quickly as it has become? No, absolutely not. In fact, it was strange because pe- people, you know, have been asking me this, and I said, "Well, you know, it's kind of hard to defy expectations when you didn't really have any expectations to begin with." <laughs> kind of a way I roll, like generally in life, and it, it works out kind of well because you're never really truly disappointed. Um, look, I really love these. These are things that I'm super passionate about, and you know, I have not learned uh, 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 many important lessons in. Life, but the one that I have learned is look, if you are passionate about something and you put, you know, your blood, sweat, and tears into it and you really care about it, people will A, notice that, and B, might also have that same sort of passion. And luckily, there have been enough people, you know, and we started small. I wanted to, you know, not go, you know, come out of the gate guns blazing. Um, but we have sort of like, you know, our plan is to sort of tear this out and we start small and then get a little bit bigger and get a little bit bigger and try and uh, and try and really grow this thing. And luckily, the response right out of the gate was so great that now we're we're, we're kind of having to play catch up, which is a great problem to uh, to have. Do you ideally at one point see it being featured in stores as well as online? Is that the goal? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's definitely uh, one of our goals uh, in the new year. You know, we, we really timed this specifically for, for the holiday rush. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we, uh, we had enough time 
um, to, you know, uh, to open up shop, so to speak, online and uh, and deal with Christmas. And then the plan was in the new year to start getting into shops and doing, you know, setting up a wholesale operation. And um, and the response right out of the gate were so many people saying we want to carry these in our stores that now we're, we're you know, starting to gear up and make sure that we can help facilitate all that sort of stuff. So these can actually be out in brick and mortar spots. Outstanding. Look, you could be ready for anything with a handkerchief in your back pocket. Tell folks how they can get them, man. Uh, they are at our website, hankskerchiefs.com. We're getting restocked on uh, the 17th of December, so you will have plenty of time to be able to get some sent to your house or to your loved one or to the person that you kind of like, but you still have to get something for. Right. Um, they can all still arrive before Christmas and then uh, keep coming back because we're going to be launching a whole bunch of new uh, styles and designs in the new year. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure to catch up. I uh, hope to see you before the holiday, but if not, I hope you and your family have a great one. Same to you, Ralph. Thanks so much, bud. And while we're speaking of the gift-giving season, it is the holidays. Christmas time, and you can't turn on television now, it depends, without seeing a Christmas movie. No, especially a Hallmark Channel. I was going to say, oh, especially gonna cruise say. by Hallmark. <laughs> How many Christmas movies are on Hallmark? I think they have 24 days of Christmas, so it's at least 24. Are they all brand new? I think. It seems or like they have new product every year that comes be. out. You know, that's the racket to get into, is writing cheesy Christmas movies yeah. for Hallmark. They got to they gotta use them. The budget's probably super low on them. But you make a couple bucks. You yeah. crank one out. They're all shitty, so yeah. no one's going to judge you on the quality of I'll it. I'll act in one. You may want to hire me. You could probably make a couple bucks if you cranked out some shitty Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies. But this isn't about shitty Christmas movies, although it will be later on in the week. <laughs> what we're going to talk about today is our favorite Christmas movies. You guys had so much fun with our top three Christmas songs and our bottom three Christmas songs that you suggested. Eddie and I break down our top three Christmas movies. And then later on this week, we'll also talk about our least favorite Christmas movies. But for today, it is the top three Christmas movies of me, your podcast pal, Ralph Garman, and the vice host, Eddie Pence. Let's start with Eddie Pence, shall we? Oh, great. This is, uh, I looked at his list. I pulled the clips for this list, so check, I know what's coming. Twice. You don't know what's coming, but I know it's coming. <laughs> and I'm sorry for what's coming. But not this one, not the first one. At number three, and I think we can all agree, this is a joy. This is a pleasure. This is a holiday classic, a modern holiday classic that we all can enjoy. Elf, how funny is Elf? I love Elf. I watch it four or five times every Christmas. Will Ferrell is brilliant in it. He is completely guileless and innocent and hysterically funny at the same time. It's a contemporary classic holiday film. Absolutely. Uh, James Caan is genius in it. Uh, Zoe Deschanel was really a star in this film before a lot of us really even knew who she was. I loved her in it. This is pre-New Girl. Pre-New Girl. Way pre-New Girl. So we're all sort of falling in love with her at the first time. James Caan is great in it. I mentioned him just just about 20 seconds ago. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just asking. about Elf. Try to pay attention. I'm right here in front of you. Um, Across the board, it just could not be more fun. Here's one of my favorite scenes from Elf. This is where Buddy the Elf has come from the North Pole. Because his father, Bob Newhart, is also Bob great Newhart. in this film. That's who I was thinking, not James. Sends him to find his real father. And so he ends up getting work as an elf at a department store. And this is his first encounter with the department store Santa, who initially he thinks is Santa. But upon closer observation, he realizes <laughs> it's actually Artie Lang, kind of drunk in a bad beard. And while Artie Lang is trying to talk to the kids and get their Christmas wishes, Buddy the elf kind of calls him out on his bullshit. Uh, 
So, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. <laughs> Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? Sorry, <laughs> he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese. I was trying to get Colton to say that to Santa this year when he went to the mall and he wouldn't do it. You smell like beef and cheese. He wouldn't do it. You don't smell like Santa. Ah, just, a, just a, a great film. Lies. Just a great film. Uh, my number three pick for favorite Christmas movies is also a comedy driven by a comedy superstar, but at the same time has an enormous emotional impact on me every year. It is Richard Donner's film called Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. I just showed Colton this movie yesterday. It is so effective in the sense that it's funny as hell, but it's got a real story to tell. Uh And at the end, when... Uh, Xavier Cross, played by Bill Murray, who is the Scrooge character basically in this film. He's a television executive who's doing a live TV presentation of A Christmas Carol. And much like Scrooge himself is visited by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And he learns an important lesson, not only about humanity and helping people, but that television is really irrelevant and it's not everything <laughs> that it's, caught, it's uh, cracked up to be. It's a, it's a Great tale of a, a, a new spin on this story that's been told a million times, but it's Bill Murray's performance, both comically and then at the end, you can hear his heart literally expand and open up as he becomes a better human being having lived through this experience. Yeah. He gets in front of the live TV cameras and he gives an impassioned speech about humanity, which to this day still makes me tear up. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I don't. I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. It's a great performance. Yeah. It and really is. When the little boy comes out and says, God blesses everyone, that part chokes me up every single time. It's outstanding. It, it's Angela a film Bassett that never gets old for me. Oh, it gets me every single time. Yeah. Every Across the time. board. Bobcat Goldthwait is brilliant in it. Yes. Uh, John Glover, who I had on last week as my guest, as Bryce Cummings, the suck up is hilarious. Robert Mitchum, an old time movie star, is outstanding <laughs> in this film. John Forsythe, I mean, it's uh, Karen Allen is adorable, top to bottom. One of my favorite Christmas it's great. movies by far. So that's my number three. Now we get to number two, and I have not discussed this with Eddie. I just had Eddie send me his list without conversation before we got live in front of these microphones. But I got to say, 
I, you know, I, I, I have fun with Eddie. I, I like to poke some fun at him, and we have a good time poking fun at Eddie's. Oh, he doesn't like to eat things, and he's a bit of an odd duck. And everything. But this is a goddamn disaster. This is an offense to man. Oh, I know which one this is. And spirit, and it's against Jesus and Santa, and it offends all of us who love Christmas. Ernest saves Christmas. What? The serious uh, fuck. There's a story behind it. I There better be a goddamn uh, good story, story behind, behind it. it. For you to pick in your top three Christmas movies, <laughs> Ernest Saves Christmas, with goddamn Jim Varney <laughs> as that character from the Wait, commercials, Ernest. It is the best of the Ernest series. How would by I far. know? Like, I've ever <laughs> seen a goddamn Ernest well, movie. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to jail. <sighs> Ernest Saves Christmas. I think there's some more in there. It is by far the best of the Ernest series. You it, think that's your defense? That's, well, it's of, one of my defense. Of all the Ernest movies, it's the best one? It's by far the best one. It's like saying, shoulders above. of all the times someone hit me in the face with a snow shovel, <laughs> that was the least <laughs> painful time. <laughs> that's why I love it so much. Well, wouldn't you? <laughs> no. I would prefer no <laughs> snow shovels to the face. There's that's, a, what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. There's a story behind it. Please tell. Well, I was you a, want to play the clip first? The clip first. I'll, def- I'll defend myself after the All clip. All right, here's Ernest Saves Christmas. Ernest runs into Santa Claus, who, by the way, is not believed by the police or the uh, psychologist. Oh, that's a fresh idea. It's, that, a, it's a theme that runs through many of these that Santa Claus Santa Claus is thought to be a crazy old dude because everyone knows Santa Claus isn't real, but turns out he is real, and uh, Ernest picks him up in his cab. But this predates the Santa Claus. This predates Christmas Chronicles. This predates all of those. It doesn't. Except Miracle on yeah, 34th Street. Yeah, I was going to say, Street. it doesn't predate Miracle on 34th Street. It doesn't predate that one. One of the most predates. popular Christmas movies that they're all ripping off with this storyline. It predates the other ones. And so Santa's in his back seat, and Santa loves how childlike Ernest is because he's an idiot, because he's mentally <laughs> damaged. And uh, Santa and Ernest are talking about Christmas. It's nice to find somebody with such devotion to Christmas. You know, I don't tell many people this, but Christmas is just about my favorite time. Ever since I was a little kid, I always felt like it was my own personal holiday. I'm at one with the Yuletide, know what I mean? (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. I even memorized the names of all the reindeer, like Donder and Blister. That's Blitzen. You go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like Donder and Blister? Uh, That's not uh, funny. That's not good comedy. I know having a redneck saying, <laughs> "I know all the reindeers like blister." I, I didn't just see this movie. This is I saw this movie when I was, I think, nine years old or eight years old. Okay, but I didn't travel back in time and ask nine-year-old Pence what his favorite but Christmas movie the was. The story behind you're still holding on to the it. story behind this, this. I saw this movie uh, one Christmas. The first time I'd seen it was during this Christmas, and it, my <laughs> my first dog had just died. All right. That Christmas. Okay. And this was the first Christmas movie. Like two days later, I was we, my whole family was just messed up from this because right. our dog had died. Okay. And we just sat down, and this was on HBO. Okay. And we watched, and it was around Christmas time. And this was the first thing that made me laugh made since for- my dog died. My first dog had died. Made you forget? Made me forget the dog for first hour and a half. Buck was my Buck, dog's name. Okay. Buck. And that's why this movie holds a special place. It relieved you of some pain. For an hour and a half. Looking gotcha. back, it's a god-awful piece of shit. Really? I, I, the I heck you say? That. No, huh. it is. 
But the reason it's up there is because I can watch it and think back to that time when that was the first thing that made me laugh after my dog. I don't think you understand how these lists work. I really don't. (laughs) When I say, give me your top three Christmas movies. I don't, but it holds something special. That's the only reason. I know all the reindeer, know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern? He was he a lo- was he in the local Philly? Because uh, he would do local commercials. Oh yeah, in for, for dealerships, for, for dealerships, car dealerships all over. The he country. had a deal in his car. Know what I mean? Yeah. Hey Vern, yeah, he's all local he was ev- he was everywhere. That's where he got his start. By the way, for you people who don't know the Ernest character, he started out as a shill for used cars on <laughs> local television stations, and the Jim Farney, know what I mean? Vern be- became so popular that they put him in a series of low budget films. <laughs> That, from the sound of Eddie Pence's cackle, he thought were fucking hilarious. Oh, they were. They really were. I loved them. Now, let's go to my number two, which is considerably more universally loved. In fact, I would say maybe in this day and age has even surpassed all Christmas movies in terms of the most watched, the most loved, the most appreciated Christmas Christmas classic of all time. Largely because TBS, I think still to this day every christmas puts it on for 24 hours it's called a christmas story mm-hmm. story of little ralphie now there's no connection there why i love this movie so much <laughs> but i gotta say uh ralphie is a as a kid growing up in the late 30s early 40s who wants a bb gun red rider and um about how he wanted this bb gun and how his mother told him he couldn't have it because you'd shoot your eye out and he wanted to ask santa for it and he asked his dad for it and he really thought he wasn't going to get this thing And it turns out at the end, his father goes behind the mother's back and gets him his dream Christmas toy. It sounds like too flimsy a story to base a film around. And yet it seems to capture all the best parts of Christmas, both for parents and kids, really. It it captures that magic part of Christmas when you're a kid and you still believe in that magic and you're just like, you get so excited. But it also captures the joy of a parent giving their kid the thing they want the most for Christmas. And it captures the insanity of family life. I mean, just how they're all a little bit crazy. And dad does these these crossword puzzles, always trying to win a major award. And eventually he does get one. It ends up being a a lamp made out of a a leg with a fishnet stocking on it. I mean, there's an endless human qualities that that are displayed in this film that make it endlessly endearing and ultimately watchable. Every Christmas, we sit down and we watch A Christmas Story. This is a scene where little Ralphie is in line waiting for Santa. So he's, he's struck out with his mom and dad. He's going to see Santa to see if he can ask him for the Red Rider BB gun with the compass and stock, stock that he wants. And he's standing in line at this department store for a long time to finally get his chance to talk to Santa. And when he meets the big guy himself, he freezes <laughs> up and chaos ensues. My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. 
Santa kicks him down the sliding board and takes the kids away from the throne of Santa. Or his brother's been laying there because he can't move. Randy has a hard time moving, <laughs> especially in that snowsuit. It's if you've never, I can't imagine there's anyone who hasn't seen this film. Is it? Do, is it trans? I don't know if this is true. Not, I mean, it's it's told from the little boy's perspective, so I think little boys or men. People, uh, it's told by the little boy's perspective, but it's narrated. Girls. The narrator you hear in that story is the character all grown up looking back on his life. Right. So I think there's a feeling of looking back on your own childhood that is universal. Right. Because I, I like I talked to my wife, Tracy, and she doesn't get the movie. Really? Because my wife loves it. Oh, she does? It. Okay. And I my, just didn't know if it's my a mother, boy, girl It was one thing. of my mother's favorite films okay. before she passed so away. So Tracy's the idiot. Yeah. And in fact, my father, who's also named Ralph, I'm Ralph Jr. My father, I'm Edwin Jr. My father, Ralphie, <laughs> is the exact same age as Ralphie in the movie. And wanted that BB gun. It was a real thing. Wanted that right. BB gun for Christmas and also didn't get it. Oh, really? So for our family, it's a real touchstone film. The fact that Ralphie's the main character and that my and my father did lust after that toy himself. So it was real like a touchstone. Thing oh, wow. For that me must really family. Wow. And then one year, my mother, years later, um, not that long ago, I don't know. Uh, she passed away uh, you know, some years ago, but. Uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they did a re-release of that toy gun mm-hmm. because the movie was so successful. And my mother got it from my father and oh, that's it hilarious. Out to give it to him for Christmas. That's so, hilarious. It's a great Christmas memory. It's not, it's no, my dog died and it's the earnest Christmas <laughs> We movie, all have but, reasons that these movies mean something. But my so movie was actually good on top I of wish, my reasons. I wish I'd watched the different Christmas movie that night. I do too. But I didn't. That's the one I watched. Well, let's talk about your number one Christmas movie, which I think even as awful as Eddie Pence is, anyone would be hard pressed to argue <laughs> with his number one film. It is perhaps the Christmas movie, the great Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed starring in It's a Wonderful Life. If you're not familiar with this film, I, and again, this is another one of those films I can't imagine you've you've missed it after all the years that it has been a uh, Christmas staple. But it's the story of George Bailey, a uh, small-town businessman who opted to, uh, to, to, to marry the girl of his dreams and stay in his small town rather than go off and chase his fortune. And he comes, he comes into a, a serious legal and financial dilemma that is threatening his family and his own freedom yeah. and it's 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 a very serious film in some parts but he is visited by a guardian angel who gives him the chance to see what his life would be like if he never existed and faced with that reality he recognizes that as bad as his life may be in the moment it really is a wonderful life and he's glad that yeah. he was alive and at the end his friends and family come together and save his ass and he's happy to be the man that he is here's a little taste of the ending spoilers of It's a Wonderful Life. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. I boy, Clarence. We're supposed to believe that Clarence, his guardian angel, got through to George and, and succeeded in his yeah. mission and earned his angel that wings. That part where the brother says uh, to George Bailey, the richest man I know, brings yeah. me to tears. I mean, it's much like that other part, but that part brings me... Because I like I went through a lot of... No death. man who has a fr- who has friends is truly poor or whatever uh, No say. man who has uh, friends is uh, a failure. Yeah, right. And uh, like I had a lot of down times in my life, and that, that going through my head, the mantra through my head a lot of times when I was at my lowest points in my life, that uh, I'm George Bailey. Hmm. Thinking that, 
right. got me through some of the darkest parts of my life just because of the fact like you realize if you pull yourself out of your life, all the other people that are impacted by you. Right. And you forget that sometimes because sometimes your problems can be, your depression or whatever can be so overwhelming it, that you lose sight of that. Right. Your vision gets clouded. And just thinking that mantra saved my life a couple of times. Wow. That's, that's really, uh, so that's why that impactful. movie means so much to me. So does you that know? make me like Clarence? Am I like your You're guardian my angel? <laughs> You're my one friend that means I'm not a failure. <laughs> And lastly, my number one film is not nearly as popular as Mr. Pence's. In fact, it's largely overlooked and underappreciated. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make it my number one this year. Because there are so many versions of this story. It is, again, another version of the Scrooge A Christmas Carol story, like we talked about with the Bill Murray film. But this one was made in the 70s in England. And it is, to the best of my knowledge, the only musical version of this story it's a Christmas Carol. It's Scrooge. It's the ghosts of uh, present, past, and future. All the ones you you know from the story, but told in a musical format. Albert Finney plays Scrooge in this, both young and old, and he is brilliant in it. Um, Alec Guinness, who you know is Obi Wan Kenobi from Star Wars, he mm. plays the ghost of Jacob Marley, his partner. An amazing turn in this film. It is both. Touching and terrifying and wildly entertaining because the music in it is genius. It's done by Leslie Brickus, who you may not know the name, but if you ever watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, all the songs from that musical were also done by this guy. So the songs are very catchy. The way it's produced and directed, very impactful. I'm surprised, frankly, that it's not a bigger uh, Christmas classic than it is, but I wanted to expose more people to it. If you can find it, it's available in a lot of different streaming services and stuff. It's called Scrooge. And it is Albert Finney starring in it. Here's a little taste of the film. In this moment, the ghost of Christmas future has brought Ebenezer Scrooge to his back to his own home. And in front of that home is Tom Jenkins, a man who owes Scrooge an enormous amount of money, who is very happy on this day. And he is thanking Mr. Scrooge for this amazing thing that he did for him today. And Scrooge is overjoyed because he thinks he did something that made everybody, there are people lining the streets that made all these people very happy. It turns out he doesn't recognize this throughout the entire song. What he did was die. And they're pulling his coffin out of his home. And everyone is cheering as his corpse is being removed from his bedroom. But he is unaware of that fact. So while he's facing everyone and waving, even though they can't see him because he's an apparition, behind him, Tom Jenkins is singing a song that sounds like it's a celebration of Scrooge, but in reality is a celebration of the fact that he finally died, releasing all of them from their debt from Ebenezer Scrooge. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. I may sound awful Dutch, but my delight is such. I feel as if a losing war's been won for me. And if I had a flag, I'd hang me flag out to add a sort of final victory touch. And in a nice piece of book ending, when Scrooge learns his lesson and goes around forgiving people their debts and buying food for the poor and, and buying a bunch of toys and promising to help Tiny Tim get the proper medical attention he needs so he can walk again, everyone joins together and sings that song to him. But in this version of his life they actually mean it thank you for everything he's done it's really a great great moment it's a great production the music is enormously uh uh, enjoyable and i think if you're if you're a fan of movie musicals at all 
Seek Out Scrooge, starring Albert Finney. It's my number one Christmas movie. I got to watch it every year. That puts me right in the Christmas spirit. So that is it. Our favorite <laughs> Christmas movies, one through three, Sorry. including Ernest Saves <laughs> Christmas. I can only imagine later this week what will be revealed as Eddie Pence's three least favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> it's going to be can fun. Can you imagine what it could possibly I be? I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's it for today. Tomorrow is a Tuesday. A lot of great stuff. Of course, all of our entertainment news as usual. But I'm very excited because it's the first chapter of my interview with my friend Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar is one of the great voiceover actors in the business today. So many people know him from Futurama. They know him from the Justice League. He played uh, Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, in that production. He is enormously talented, funny, funny actor. He was in Pulp Fiction. He was a member of The Groundlings. So many great stories. A great conversation with my friend Phil Lamar. That starts tomorrow. So come on back to the show because the show really is just not as good without you. I love you. I mean it. Bye. <laughs>